You are now tuned in to the Hood Shrink Podcast, the podcast dedicated to healing the world through peace, love, and light. Today, we address another taboo issue in the minority community and take one step closer to overcoming the traumas that impact us the deepest. Let's begin healing together today. Without further ado, let's get into the show with the one and only Butterfly Bricks. Hey, what's up, world? It's your girl, the Butterfly Bricks. I'm the hood healer, the streets motivator, and you're listening to the Hood Shrink Podcast, where healing meets the streets. Now, before I get started on today's show, I hope everyone has been having an amazing year so far. 2020 is the year of new beginnings. Did y'all set any goals? Did you have any vision board parties? What are you doing to become the better version of yourself? If you haven't set any goals, I need you to take this time to recharge. Think about what it is that you want to do with yourself this year in order to be the better version of yourself and then make it happen, honey. Be in full control of the life that you want. I have full faith that each and every one of you will manifest your dreams. So stay focused, stay motivated, stay driven and stay positive and watch how your life will flourish into greatness. Now, y'all, we have made it to episode four. It's titled Unshed Tears from My Inner Child. This episode will focus on the effects of abandonment issues from me as a, how it affected me as a child and the effects it had on me as an adult. Now, I know everybody's situation is different, and so your reactions to certain traumas will be different as well. I know most of you will be able to relate to being detached emotionally, while others may be feeling like, you know, I'm not detached emotionally, I'm actually really attached to folks. And that's also another sign of having abandonment issues. But I'll speak on both responses and how those uh, abandonment issues related to me. So let's take a little trip down memory lane. During my early childhood, I recall having a a really good childhood. I recall having both of my parents in our household. I would say I was somewhat of a daddy's girl. Um, I remember spending time with him at his businesses. At his, when he owned a motel at the time. Me being able to go to his job whenever I want, running through the motel, sitting in his office and his couch writing. I was a very big writer when I was little. Um, I, I just recall only good times that I've had with him and his effects on how, how he was to me as a father. Him bringing me gifts all the time and my favorite candies from his liquor store. It was just always a good feeling to me. I don't recall him doing anything, I guess, negative to me that would have a negative impact on my life directly. But that all changed um, when my mom and dad started to fight a lot. They started to argue a lot. I've never seen him physically put his hands on my mother, but I would hear them arguing and fighting all the time. And I just remember one day living in the house that I grew up in to one day waking up and now I live at my grandmother's house. First time I ever had a broken heart was done because of my parents and their separation. Me waking up and realizing that my father would no longer be in my household, it did something to me. There was like a switch. I missed him. I thought of my daddy often. I wanted to be where he was at, but my mom, she was hurting from whatever uh, whatever his actions were that caused her heartache, that caused her to want to be away from him, which in turn caused me to be the one who received the pain as well. So around this time, I developed a form of sleepwalking. And so me being younger, I would sleepwalk, which led to me having an eating disorder. I would sleepwalk, get up in the middle of the night, 
in my sleep and I will go to the refrigerator to eat. I use this as a coping mechanism to deal with the stress and the, the stresses of the situation with my parents and how my life had just switched in the blink of an eye. I would do this and have absolutely no recollection of me sleepwalking. I would wake up in different places from where I fell asleep at the night before. And as I got older, I saw a therapist. She advised the separation of my parents is what triggered my sleepwalking. When my mom separated from my father, I don't ever recall having a conversation about what happened with my dad, where he is. It was at, It was like he never existed. It was like my mom never knew him. Like I never had a father before. That's, that's how she went on with her life. She kind of just pushed it behind her and kept it moving. But see, she was young and she was hurt. And I can only imagine what living through a broken heart while, while raising children feels like. So I can't begin to say I understand why she made the decisions that she made. I just know the effects of how their decisions and the actions hurt me as a kid. So then the new boyfriend came. He seemed nice. I mean, I guess I really don't really remember meeting him um, like the first time. I don't recall what that meeting exchange was like. But I know knowing my personality, I've always been like, a person who has a little sass to it, a little feisty a little bit. So I probably was standoffish maybe, or probably like, who is this person? Where's my daddy? Because <laughs> I know that's how my personality was, and I'm sure that's how most kids are when um, new men come into their lives. we like, that's not my daddy. You know how the kids are. So um, because I knew who my father was, it was hard for me to process why this new man is around and why my daddy left me. And why ain't my mama's taking me to to see him? I never received any of the answers that as a child in my mind I was thinking that I never verbalized to my mom because it seemed like it was a topic that was all that was off topic. You couldn't speak his name. It was as if if his name was spoken of like World War Three. And I, I didn't want to deal with the with the backlash of that. So I would keep these thoughts in my head. So when my mom's new boyfriend came around and I realized that he would become a permanent fixture in our lives, I just kind of was like, okay, so I guess this is what my new life is. And I need to get along with this and just go with the flow. See, with my mom's new boyfriend came a new environment. And the area that we moved from was considered a suburban type of area. And then we moved to a not so good area, which would be considered a hood or a ghetto for other folks who are not too familiar with those terms. And during this transition, it was awkward for me. I wasn't used to it. With my biological father, I lived a different, a certain lifestyle. I went to private school. My parents took me back and forth to school. The kids at the school were nicer. The people in my circle were nicer. They were, they spoke very well. They were what we would call a bougie. or um, people call stuck up. That's what hood people would call it. That was their persona. And then when I moved to this new environment with my mom and her new boyfriend, um, it was the exact opposite. It was a complete culture shock for me. I wasn't accustomed to living this sort of lifestyle. It was a completely different lifestyle. I wasn't accustomed to. I had to adjust to sharing my space with a bunch of new family members that I grew to love. And although it wasn't the life that I had, it was exciting and fun. And I was starting to really adjust to my new life until one night I was sleeping and I felt a body lay behind me. I was around seven years old. And I remember hearing a boy's voice asking, can he touch me? And I just laid there pretending to be asleep. And I remember him wrapping his arm around my little waist and put his hands inside of my pajama pants. 
I didn't move. I didn't cry. I just laid there. And when he was finished, he left and went to school. He was a teenager, maybe like a preteen or a little older. And see, my mama, she worked overnight. So when she came through the door that morning, I told her, hey, he touched me. And she became frantic and irate. And she's like, what happened? And trying to get me to explain to her like exactly what happened. So I remember her getting on the phone, calling her then boyfriend because he was at work and explaining what happened. And I believe I went to school that same morning. And when I came home from school, I could hear the commotion from outside of my house of the boy being reprimanded for his actions. But see, it didn't make me feel better. I was embarrassed. I felt unsafe. I felt unloved. I felt abandoned. See how my, I felt that see, if my daddy had not left me or if my daddy had not done what he done to my mom and my mom had not left him, I wouldn't even be going through this because I wouldn't even know these people. I blamed him. It was his fault. See, when I lived with my father, my older brothers lived with us and, and babysat me and I never had this happen to me. So I was confused and I was hurt. And no one ever talked to me about how I was feeling or no one ever talked to me about, I knew that it was wrong because I felt that it was wrong, but no one sat me down and talked to me and said, how are you feeling? How are you processing this? Maybe we should get you help. That was never the thing. This was another topic that was swept under the rug and felt like this, what happens in this house stays in this house. My abuser, neither one of us that to my knowledge received any type of professional help or no one talked to us about what actually happened and how to dig deeper to see how it would affect us. See, now that I am an adult and I understand how these things work, clearly someone may have done that same thing to him as a child. But because of this happening to me, this began a snowball effect of trauma for me. But we're going to get into that a little later in, in my next part two of the show. I'm going to ease y'all in on that. <laughs> So as I grew up, I started to develop relationships, both platonic and romantic relationships, but I struggle with sharing my emotions. I struggle with being vulnerable. I bury my feelings deep down inside of me and I became cold hearted. I didn't care about anybody, not even myself. I would have female friends, but I really didn't value our friendships as I should have. I didn't trust them or anyone for that matter. So it was like, well, you're here today, but you could be gone tomorrow. Why should I love you? Why should I come be? Why should I attach myself to you? I was self-sabotage relationships and I will pop in and out of folks life like a jack in the box. And it wasn't that I was doing it on purpose. It just became a norm for me to protect myself. It was a defense mechanism. So I wouldn't ever feel the pain of being tossed aside again. So I put up this enormous wall around my heart. The only emotions that I could process were anger. You can tell through the anger that I was hurt. And since I'm funny as hell, for the people who really know me, you would see that that side of me. But those were the only two. I had like no middle ground. I was either angry or really silly acting. And through all my flaws and faults, people still showed me love, like true love throughout my life. And people still wanted to hang out with me. And I was fun to be around. And one of these days, I'll show y'all that part of me on my episodes. <laughs> but I really do believe that uh, these folks saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And I love each of them for it. Whether I talk to y'all or not now, I love you. And I thank you for loving me, even when I didn't love myself. I know a few people have, I've helped in the past who suffer from abandonment issues. And our stories are different, but we all have the same lasting effects. Some folks become clingy and afraid to let go of toxic situations because the pain of being alone is unbearable. But for me, being emotionally detached, and it didn't help y'all that I'm an Aquarius. And if you know anything about zodiac signs, you know we are emotionally detached beings naturally anyway. So going through a traumatic experience like that further detached me from having emotions with me. 
Now, having this detached mindset, having this detached mindset carried way into my mid-20s. I felt the same when I was dating men. I would love them and leave them. That was my motto. When you lived in a hood, you adapt to certain lifestyles. I would witness men disrespecting women on all levels. And I told myself, when I get older, no man will ever treat me like that. You don't trust a soul. I learned from my surroundings. Love didn't live here. But most importantly, my father showed me that first. So I came to the conclusion when I had like 26, I want to be better. I don't want to be this person. I don't want to be angry all the time. I don't want to be sad anymore. I don't want to hark on my past about the way people treated me and how they did me. It happened. It is what it is. I want to accept all the negative and positive parts of me. And I just want to be a better person. So I started as a therapist. And I went through my healing process. I started by journaling. I always was a child who loved to write. When I was younger, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to do journalism or be a fashion designer. I, when I carried purses when I was a little girl, the only thing I had in my purses was pen and paper. I didn't care about baby dolls or any of that. So I kept that same energy as an adult. I grabbed a journal. I wrote down how I was feeling every day. I did this too as a child. I would go in my room. I would wrote, write down my feelings and my emotions and how I felt. And I have a story for that too, but we'll get into that in, in, in a later episode. But I journaled my ass off. I would write down how I'm feeling. I would write it in letter form. I would mail it off to random addresses or I would write it and burn it. I would write n the negative ways I was feeling. If it was depression, if it was sadness, if it was anger. Whatever I was feeling that was ne something negative, I would write it on a bay leaf and watch it burn slowly while chanting in my head, I deserve peace, I deserve love. I, I just found rituals that I could do whenever I felt that way. And I still have daily rituals that I do to practice self-care and self-love. I'm very into healing crystals and into essential oils. I do moments in time where I, I spritz around myself with essential oils. And, and I just be thankful, be graceful for the spot and the space that I am in today in order to just make me feel better. I also went through a forgiving stage. I forgave everyone who's ever harmed me as a child growing up. I didn't harper on that. I forgave them and I moved forward. Did I forget? Absolutely not, because that's why we're having this podcast. <laughs> but I did forgive them because you have to forgive in order for you to have peace within yourself and to move forward in your life. So speaking of crystals, <laughs> we're going to do the crystal of the week. This week's crystal is a Vespertine garnet. It's the stone of harmony and joy. It assists in self-healing. Now, the healing properties in this crystal bring about peace and good health. And the vibrations in this crystal naturally aids in restoring peace and mental clarity. So this is definitely a crystal you need if you're struggling with inner peace. Help you feel better. Help you find that inner peace within yourself to become one and to, come, and to become wholeness within yourself. Now, the crystal, it ranged from like a brown color, bright reds, and deep oranges. Now, in order to activate your crystal, the steps are always the same. There are various ways that you can activate crystals. For me, I do them while I'm meditating after I cleanse them. So before I activate my crystal, I always cleanse them. I cleanse them either in sunlight or moonlight. I set the intention over them. I smudge them out. I palo santo them out. And I let them sit. And I take that same crystal and I will carry it with me on my person so it soaks up my energy. And I set the intention. I place the crystal in my palm. I sit, take a deep breath in a meditative stance or either lay down. You can place crystals over the chakra that the crystal is for. This particular crystal is, is uh, in relation to the crown chakra, which is at the top of your head. You can lay the crystal on the top of your head while, you're, while you are asleep or while you're just in a meditative state laying down 
and you want to focus on what you want that crystal to do. You want the crystal to bring you pure love, bring you peace, bring you happiness, help you become oneness through yourself. And you want to think about that as it's flowing through your brain all the way down to your feet. And you want to release any negative feelings that you have about yourself. And you want to practice this daily. This isn't a once thing where you go, you grab the crystal, you do it one time and then be done with it. No, that's not how it works. Crystal, activating crystals take work. You need to carry them with you. You need to have them on your person, sleep with them, put them in your bra, put them in your panties, wherever <laughs> wherever you want to put them in, or your, or your boxes if you got them, your box of brief. You, you want to carry it on your person. You can wear it as a jewelry form. You can put them in um, spritzer bottles. All, not all crystals can be submerged in water though, so please research that first. I will drop more information and links about this particular crystal in my show notes so if you need more information on that you can definitely go there and view that information so you know before we get on out of here i always have to give you the quote of the week for moving forward anyone who's dealing with abandonment issues or anything in relation to that i want you to know for this week's quote love all the hurt the traumatized and the abandoned parts of yourself honoring all of you gives you wholeness in your voice and i truly do believe that and i can i can attest that that works once I accepted everything that's ever happened to me, the parts where I played my wrongdoing as well as the wrongdoings that were done to me, I became a better person. I feel better. I feel lighter. I'm happier. I am the same shit that I preach to everyone else. And I want you all to have that same feeling. I want you to wake up in the morning and regardless of what's going on in your day, I want you to feel happy. I want you to be happy that you're alive. I don't want you to feel like you have a doubt, a dark cloud over you. And he's just like, damn, it's another day. I'd be glad when this day over. Let's do this. No. Every day doesn't have to feel like a Monday. And your Monday shall always feel like a Friday. Be on the lookout for part two of Unshared Tears of My Inner Child. Reach out to me via social media on Facebook, IG, and Twitter. I'm at the Hood Shrink Podcast. I want to know how you guys are coping and dealing with abandonment issues. Maybe we could trade tips on how to overcome this beast. And as always, my email is open. Shoot me an email at askbutterflybricks at thehoodshrink.com for stories or topics you'd like me to discuss. If you have your own personal story and you want my opinion, but you want to remain anonymous, I could do that for you as well. Everyone's healing process is in a different state, and it's okay if we're not in the same space and you don't want to state anyone's name. I'm good with that, and I understand. But y'all be easy out there. Until next time, be peace, be love, be light, mixed with a little bit of dark, because, you know, we got to have balance. Thank you for listening to the Hood Shrink Podcast. Connect with Butterfly Bricks on Twitter and IG at The Hood Shrink. And be sure to come back to check out our next episode.